Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Luke chapter 12, would you please go there? Um, I was going to say, I, I, the, the topic last week and this week is a, you know, somebody's going to say, you're meddling in my business, but it's really not. The song that Daniel was leading us in, the last song in the bridge, did you know, name above all names, worthy to be praised, my heart will sing, something like that. How great is our God. Yeah, okay. You have to sing it in order to remember it, right? My heart will sing how great, my heart will say how great is my God. There is a, there is a thief. I'm going to say it's probably, it's probably one of the biggest thieves, certainly to our Canadian culture, that is stealing hearts. And it's the topic we're talking about today. Because often when we start to talk about this topic, you think that there's a hidden motive. It's about getting something. And I just want to, it's not. Or it's, um, it's none of your business. When it comes to money. When we say that expression, my heart acknowledges how great you are. What steals our ability to know how great he is, is our, what the enemy does to our heart when it comes to money. When it comes to money. And I'm right in the middle of this. And as I've been discovering this, and the Lord has been revealing these things, it, I, I have to, it's a whole mind change. Because everything I've grown up with, and you, and everything I've been exposed to, and listened to, and hear all the time, because we live in a marketing-saturated world. Market, market, market. Buy this. You need this. You can't live without this. We live in the world. We're used to it by now. We're used to it. We don't even know what's happening. <laughs> it's just all over. If we were to step out for a while and come back, we would be flabbergasted at the tension around things. We live in it, and we believe that we handle it well, and we probably do. If we couldn't, we probably couldn't exist. And some people don't. Some people cease to exist because of this. But money, Jesus talked more about money than he did about most any other topic because he knew it was one of the number one threats to your heart. To your heart. Now, I don't mean that pump in the body. I'm talking about your passion, your compassion, and your purpose for living. And it's one of the number one threats. Very subtle, but it's huge. And so we picked it up. Uh, the title of my series is a two-part series. You'll be glad to know I'm in the second part. I'm going to unload it today, and I'm just going to try to stay to my notes because I can so quickly deter from this. But the topic of this little series is consumption assumption. Everybody say that together with me. Consumption assumption. We have an assumption. We live by an assumption when it has to do with how we spend money. We live by an assumption because it's all around. It's pervading society around us. But I'm going to, I'm going to say it straight, and if you can prove it different, please show me. Biblically, it's not God's plan. It's not God's plan. And it is a thief. There's a place in the New Testament that talks about the spirit of mammon. There's an evil spirit that drives not about the money, it's about your heart. Because where your money flows, so does your heart. And when our heart, so when you come to that part of the song, my heart will sing how great, we might say it, 
but we probably struggle in living it because our heart, well, our heart's all wrapped up in something else. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, I used this as the text last week. Someone in the crowd came to Jesus and said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, bigger crowd, he said to them, Watch out! Exclamation mark. Be on your guard against all kinds of, there's the G word, greed. He called it. Life, so in other words, he just, the guy that asked that question is about greed. You can pick that up, right? Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, and yet this world will tell you it is. Who who dies with the most toys wins. And we get it into our spirit. Beware, 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 beware. It's grabbed your heart, and you wonder how come you feel distant from God. There's a thief and he's stealing from you. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand this, help us to grab this. God, may we not simply see the messenger, may we hear the message. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we went to the parable of the wealthy man who gave three servants some of his wealth to manage it, to do with it as he would have done if he hadn't given it to them. And then he disappeared for a while. He told them, I'm coming back, and you will give a report of what I gave you. And two of the three gave a positive report. When they gave the money back, whose was it? It was never theirs. It was the one who gave it. Even what was made on it was never theirs. It's the one who gave it. They understood that. It was understood from the beginning. It's his. They don't own it. It's not theirs. And the expectation, when he comes back, he has every right as your financial advisor and your banker has every right and responsibility to manage your money wisely because it's not theirs. He came back, it was his full right to say, how did you do? What did you do with it? Because it's his, 100% his. He has every right to ask for a report. Because they are simply managers of something, stewards of something. It's not theirs. But the third person treated the money as if it was theirs. They did not do what the heart of the man or the heart of the owner had. And he called it a wicked servant because he had totally mismanaged. He treated it as if it was his. Everything we have is of God's. We are not owners. This is good news and bad news. It's bad news if you think you're an owner, sorry. <laughs> you're just managing it. And how do we know we're just managing it? Say, no, no, it's mine. I worked for it. It's mine. Because when you die, do you take any of it with you? You are managing it for a period of time. Almost all of us will outlive our money. So here's the issue. What you do with your money is an issue of the heart. It's not an issue of spending. It's not an issue of you. It's your rights. That's what society, again, we got, you got to hear this. You got to have new ears to hear this because society says it's yours. It's your right. Nobody has any business to tell you what to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus steps into this over and over and over again. He says, I can't get your heart because your heart has gone somewhere else. And the enemy of this world, the en a different kingdom, has stolen your hearts. You don't even see it. 
subtle, stolen your heart, and you wonder how come you are unfulfilled. You wonder how come you don't live satisfied. You wonder how come there's not room for love. There's not a peace and a joy flowing out of your life. You, there's not a hope because something is stealing your life. What is it? Well, there's a number of things, but there's a big one here, and it's called stuff. It's just called stuff. This is huge, particularly in our country, but in every country. It doesn't matter if you've got a whack of money or if, you, if you're, you're barely living and your, your belly's hungry all the time. Greed affects us all. Did you notice in the story that I just read where the person came to Jesus in verse 13, teacher, tell my brother to divide in. There's obviously a conflict going on that has to do with money. There's a lot of conflicts go on with some of your families, you can agree, don't wag your head one way or the other. I, we don't need to testify, but there's stress around money. Stress around money when it comes to the inheritance. Some kids are waiting for their parents to die so they can get it. I know. My daughter's watching live streams, so I've got to be really careful here. But, but she talks about her friends, and they've just kind of resigned. She's in her mid-30s. number of her friends, the millennials, have just resigned themselves to the fact we can't afford a house. We're waiting for our parents to die so we get an inheritance. We're, we're waiting for them to die. Now, if you're waiting for something like that, you, you kind of get anxious for it, right? And I just tell her, oh, I hope you're waiting a long time, honey. Um, but she's talking of a, of a generation. And I understand it. I do get it because it is hard. I, I understand because we're trying to figure this out with her. How can we break into the market when it's so difficult? And, and some of you are experiencing that. How do we break into the market? So we hope our parents haven't so spent all their money that they're leaving us a bit of money. But that puts a whole tension. And if you've got a whack of siblings, you begin to do the math and you go, man, I don't got much left over. And the longer they live, <laughs> the less there is. They're going to spend it all in a retirement home or, or wherever. And the less there is for all of us to enjoy. And, and actually, it's not uncommon now for parents to die and there being a debt that kids have to pay. That's not uncommon. There's, there's tension here around money. Uh, Jesus says, man, who appointed me judge, be, an arbiter between you? He says, this is a man problem. This is a humanity situation because there's a kingdom situation that doesn't have a problem like this. And he's got to get our heads there because you're not of this world. We're in the world, but we are not of this world. We're for the world. We're in the world, but this world is not our master anymore. And then he said in verse 15, be wa beware, watch out, be on your guard against all. It comes at you in every direction. Greed, 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 greed. Life, life is not about things. But the way we live and spend our time and concern ourselves, you would think it would be. Right? You think it would be. And it gets into all of us. And I'm, I'm, this, this speaks to me as much as anyone. Last week we talked about money can add meaning to your life, but money is not the meaning of your life. Money is a tool. But the tool becomes our passion. The tool takes on a new position, becomes a God. Something that we spend, if you spend your time and, and passion towards it, it's no longer a tool. That's why when you owe someone, when you are in debt, you are a slave to them. They now tell you where you, you want to give generously. Somebody comes along and you want to help them out because the Lord stirs your heart. Help this person out. So you quickly go to do that, but you can't because your master says, you've already spent it on me. I've got it. You want to help them, but you can't. So the church has a need. 
So there's a, a ministry, there's a country that's gone through a, a tsunami or there's been ravaged by internal war. And you want to help out, but you, your master tells you, oh, you can't. You haven't got it. I've got it. And you are locked in for a period of time. You can't get it out. You're locked in. So are you slave or are you master? No, you're slave. Every debt makes you a slave to your debtor. And when you want to respond, and we do because we're, beloved, we're believers in, in, in the Lord. And we're stirred with compassion because that's the Holy Spirit who wants to help. We want to be, as we go on the road to Jericho, we want to help out. But we have reasons why we can't because we owe you. Well, one day I'll help you. And, and Proverbs Solomon says, the most famous word of a fool is tomorrow. Well, tomorrow I'll help you. I'll come back tomorrow. And we say if I get more money. But we talked last week. Uh, marketers know that as your income increases, so does your spending. You keep, you keep track of the scale. Your income increases, you'll spend equal. We spend what we... So if it's forty-five dollars or $150,000 or $250,000, we'll spend in keeping to that. We track right up the scale. And you think, well, it's less stress. We talked last week. It just doesn't work. You can do all the stats. It just doesn't work that way. So... The moment you think you own money, it actually owns you. And so oftentimes we are owned by someone else. So I'm going to stick with my notes now. Wayne, stick with your notes. Everybody say, Pastor Wayne, stick with your notes. Thank you. Okay, I will. Last week I asked you when we left to track your money to see where it's going. And not to look at your bank statement and say, oh, I'm, you know, there's a computer that does that. No, you track it. You watch where it flows. Spy on your money, I said. Spy on your money. Essentially, five things you can do with your money, more or less. Five things you can do with your money. You can spend it, repay debt, pay taxes, save it, give it away. Now, often we do it in similar order. We often spend our money. This brings us to the debt problem. Now, Debt could be either overspent or we spend it based on time spending. Therefore, you, you spend it, but it's on payments. We pay taxes, number three. These are services we receive, and I'm going to include in that the basic services of, of hydro, water, basic services as well. Municipal, provincial, federal, and then the basic, those basics. If there's any leftover, we save it, and then we might give some away. I want to look at the list again. When you look at this, again, we spend it, we repay debt, we pay taxes, we save it, we give it away. You look at this list, you will note the number one thing we can do with their money here, we spend money, that's for me, spend it for me. We um, repay debt, that's for me too, debt's my debt. Pay taxes, the service is rendered, it's for you too, it's me, me. We save it, so we talk about we spend it now, we save it later. I talked, I played with the word save it, we hoard it sometimes, we hoard it. We say we're saving it, we're saving it, but it's, you spend it now or save it so you can spend it later. Not that it's wrong, but it just is. And uh, so, um, save it, that's for me, and we give some away, that's for God. Me, me, 
me, me, God. See how this works? Me, 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 God, and others. Now, the first commandment is love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God, his kingdom, his purposes, and neighbors. Put that together. God and others. So when I say God, I'm going to refer to God, but I'm including others in that, okay? So just God and others. The problem with this is that God gets the leftover. If I haven't spent it all, if I don't owe it all, if the government doesn't take it all, if I don't save it all for myself later, then perhaps God will get it. The script most lived by today is me first living with some leftover giving. Me first living with some leftover giving. This is understandable in that most of us saw this model growing up. Most of us grew up, that's the society and homes we grew up in. And we just have to look to society and look to government. We see this lived out. This is certainly what our culture, our free enterprise, go Canada, government model encourages. I'm not saying that mockingly. I'm just saying it is. It just is. But when Jesus showed up, he flipped the script. Matthew chapter 621 is the text today. Matthew 621. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure, where your treasure is. I, I don't have treasures. Well, your treasure's your stuff. Your treasures are your dreams. You treasure, you have dreams. Your treasures are your hopes. Where your hopes are, where your dreams are, where your stuff is, Jesus is saying, Whoever gets your stuff gets your attention. Now, let me prove this. I don't know if you've ever had a new car. You remember when you got the new car? The first few weeks, maybe even the first few months, where did you park your car when you went to a parking lot? Not between the two beat-up pickup trucks. You didn't park it beside the van or SUV that had the kid's logo on it with three children, you parked it at the back side of the parking lot, the far side, so no one will bump your bumper or scratch your doors. Now, if you bought a new SUV or a van, you wouldn't even let your wife or kids eat in it for the first few months because they're going to get crumbs and stuff on it and you spit clean every smudge that got on it. Why? I'm not so, why? Because it costs a lot of money, right? And because it costs a lot of money, it's dear to your soul. It's dear to your heart. So you, you looked after it in a way. Now, after a while, that kind of gets thrown out. But at first, it, was, it cost a lot of money. It hurt to have it. Jesus knows how this works. He knows money takes a place in your heart. So he says... If I want to know where your heart is, I just have to look at where your money flows. If I want to know truly what's in your heart, now I don't, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't listen to what you say so much. He listens to where your money flows because he knows your heart's there. That's what he's saying in this. We go back to the text. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So Jesus is saying, 
I know your heart because I just follow the flow of your money. I follow the flow because your heart will flow there because you treasure it. Jesus knows that our money takes a little bit of our heart everywhere it goes because it costs us. For Jesus to find out what gets your attention, for Jesus to find out what gets your passion, for Jesus to find out what gets your time, all he has to do is follow the flow of your passion, your heart. You can know where your heart is by either, well, where do I spend? That's why I asked you to spy on how you spend money this past week. Because if you want to know where your heart is, you're saying, well, my heart's not like that. That's you know, other people, but my, not, not me, Pastor. You're not preaching to me. Well, you can know by where do you spend your money. Follow it. Just follow it. Where do you send your money? You spend it or send it, but that's where your heart is flowing. Your heart follows your money. Jesus is not after your money. Not once did Jesus ask for money. Not that we can tell from the Gospels. Did Jesus actually ask for money? His, he's not after your money. He's after your what? He's after your heart. Because he knows he can't have your heart if something else has it. So the, issue's not, the issue is money, but the issue is the heart. And when he goes after the heart, he realizes this is stealing your heart. There's a thief there, and so he's calling out the thief. He's after your heart. But when Jesus asks his followers, he asks his followers to dedicate fully to him their lives. As soon as he asks that, he begins to discover who we really are. And this can be so hard. It can be so hard. It is a lot easier when, when we say, I give you everything, God. I, you know, I, I, I love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, body, strength. Yes, God, I want to. And it's much easier to give them your health. It's easier to give them your career. It's easier to give them your relationships than to give them your money. Why? Well, when you're sick, you reach out to God for help. That's natural. When you're in between jobs, you call for him to provide for you. He's the provider. That's natural. And when you are struggling in a bad relationship, you reach out to God to fix the bad relationship, to reconcile it. Why is it easier to trust God with these things? Here's why. Because you don't have any control over those things. You don't have control over your health. You don't have control often what's going on in the details day by day in your career, nor in some of the things that are happening in your relationships. You don't have control. But money is different. Money is tangible. You get to decide your money. And so when we give them our health, we give them our careers, we give them our relationship, we have no control over that. But when he says, I want your money, he, no, because we feel we got control over this one. You get to decide what you do with it. Perhaps losing sight that you're simply manager of it. And he is simply coming back saying, what are you doing with what I've given you? What are you doing with it? So when Jesus started talking about where your treasure is, there your heart is also, he was poking the bruise. <laughs> he is actually saying that the ultimate litmus test of our devotion to God is what we do with our money. Here's a point I want to make. My direction ultimately reveals my affection. So back to our list of priorities. I had five. Me, 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 God, and others, okay? So what's the remedy to this? Well, Jesus gave the remedy. Good news. 
He said, flip the list. Flip it. You want to get your heart straightened out? Flip the list. This is not about giving all your stuff away. You can say, okay, I'm going to give all my stuff away. No, because if you give all your stuff away, then you're going to have to live off someone else. And now they're responsible for you. That's not being responsible. No, you don't give it all away because now you're making yourself a debt to someone else. No, that's not, not somebody that's not saying that. Actually, spending it on yourself is irresponsible as well because you take none of it with you. So just the opposite. Matthew 6, verse 33. Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, money, will be given to you as well. Seek first. You see, this is all about, and if you get one thing out of all this, it's about priorities. We're talking about priorities. We're not saying money's evil. We're saying priorities are gone wrong. What first, what second, what's third? That's what we're talking about. Priorities are out of whack. Seek first. So when Jesus addresses this, he says, seek first his kingdom. His kingdom and his righteousness. Now note, in Father God's kingdom, that's by making reference, there's another kingdom than my kingdom. Right? He just said that. Seek God's kingdom. So if I'm seeking God's kingdom, that means I'm in a different kingdom right now. It's true. Seek God. There's another kingdom. Seek God's kingdom. What is right and best for other people is best for you. It's a kingdom. So he says a new list. Here's the new list. God and others. Me, save it. Me, pay taxes. Me, repay your debts. Me, spend. Flip the list. Flip the list. This is God's kingdom. Where we don't get to go first. Where we don't go first. In return, in return, we give ourselves to God. He becomes number one. Now, why did Jesus teach this? Again, Jesus doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He wants you. He knows what's best. When the kingdom is first, when the kingdom is first, he knows. When the kingdom is placed first, you're going to discover love in a way that you've not known love. When the kingdom is first, you're going to have more joy than you have now. When the kingdom is first, you'll have more peace than you had before. He knows, because earlier, remember, he says life does not consist in this. He knows that you're not living life the way he gave and offers you life. So when he asks it, he's not after your money. He doesn't need money. He's after you. And he knows until this happens, until his kingdom comes first, you won't experience love, joy, peace. You won't experience life as you were designed to experience. You will always be missing it. So therefore, stress, anxiety, tensions, blah, 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 family issues, on, 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 and on, on, blah, blah. And we think that's the world we live in, and it is. But you're a follower of Jesus, aren't you? And in doing that, flip the script. Flip the script. So when you get paid, invest in God's kingdom first, then save second, then live on the rest. Don't think in terms about how much. So, you know, okay, do I start with 50? Do I start with 100? Do I start with 500 a week? What do, where do I start with this? So don't think in terms of how much money. Think in terms of percentage. Decide 
talk with your spouse and figure out a way to get it out of your kingdom into a God kingdom. When I say God, God and others. Into a God kingdom. Figure out a way to do that. So pick a percentage to give. That's where it starts. Pick a percentage. This is something everybody can do. Then pick a percentage to save. Then live on the rest. Watch what God will do. Okay, we can finish there, but I, I, I want to keep going. I still have more time. I want to do that again. Pick a percentage to give. Pick a percentage to save. Then live on the rest. This is how you guard against greed. That you have your money and that your money doesn't have you. Now, here's the thing I'm going to say right here because I feel it. Pay attention to your internal tension that's happening right now in you. Pay attention to that tension. Pay attention to that tension. The self-talk that's been going on in your mind for the last five, ten minutes. What has your mind been saying? That internal dialogue that's inside. It's inside of all of us. Why should you pay attention to that? Discover, you will discover the center of your existence if you pay attention to what's been going through your head the last 10, 15 minutes. Pay attention to that. Because that's at the center of the resistance to do what God's asking. And if you can pick that, pick up on that, now you know what you got to go after. You recognize there's, this is where there's a stir. There's an internal dialogue going on. Why am I resisting this? That's what you're finding. And then here's, here's, my, here's what I have to do. Then I just give anyway. <laughs> I recognize the internal tension and then just give. Don't give in to that tension. Give. Just give. And when you do this, something will happen in your heart. And others will see it too. They'll see a different you. It's hard to explain. As a matter of fact, I'm going to even suggest it's impossible to explain. But change will happen in you and others will see it. One more scripture before we wrap this up. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Luke 12, 16. Jesus tells a parable. Here's another parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. Now he's talking to himself, right? This is, right? This is the internal thing. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. Everybody say surplus grain. Surplus. Sur surplus grain. On the surface, it doesn't look like we have anything in common with this lucky guy. This lucky guy, has got surplus. We don't have anything in common with him. He's got surplus. <laughs> but let me ask you, have you ever had a garage sale? Have you ever carried loads, trunkfuls to the Goodwill store? Have you ever had a hard time finding a place in your attic or your garage to put something that you aren't using anymore because it's already full of things you're not using anymore? Come on now. We're preaching to the choir here. Yes, 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 yes. You got surplus. We all got surplus. Verse 19. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't this what we dream of? This is what we dream of. We have enough 
I don't have to work anymore. Just take it easy. Enjoy life. To have enough money to buy whatever we want, save enough to do whatever we want later, give our kids a whole pile too. That's what we want. That's the dream. And God says, you fool. But God, you fool. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for you? Did you see God's question at the end there? Who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Because it was all about you. In other words, although you're not out of money, you're out of life. Your time's up. Your time's up. So you have money, but you're out of life. And God asked, then who? Then who will get it what you prepared for you? Well, the answer is somebody else is going to get what you prepared for you. And they got it not because you were generous. You will get no benefit from it. You'll get zero benefit from it. Because we know life doesn't consist of here on earth. We know it's life eternal based on what we've done here on earth. Who will benefit from it? Not you. Yeah, they got it because you can't take it with you. But you benefit nothing. You benefit nothing. Somebody else benefits. Not because you're generous, but because you chose to spend it on you first. And God addresses us, verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. But, here it is, but is not rich towards God. He's not, he's not against you savings. He's not against, all, he's not against that. He's against the priority. This is how it will be. Nothing meaningful to show for your life. Jesus is saying this is how it will be for those who embrace consumption assumption. Consumption assumption. The rich man felt money was his entitlement. What he failed to understand was that money is a tool to give back. Money is only a tool. It's not yours to consume. What I get, and I'm thankful that I receive a salary from uh, Aurora Cornerstone Church, but it's not mine. <laughs> it's not mine. Uh, I manage whatever's given to me. And so is every one of you. Uh, so the closing question. To what end do you want your life to be a means? The rich man had no means. The only thing he had was his life. So when his life was demanded that night, his meaning was gone. It stopped. Another way to ask the same question here is, what do you want people to celebrate about you when you're gone? What do you want them to celebrate about you when you're gone? I don't believe any of us truly would say it's all about consumption. It's all about upgrades. It's all about having the best, having the most modern. We don't choose this on purpose. I don't believe we do, most of us anyway. But let's remember, money is a tool. Money is a tool for something else. Money is a tool to provide meaning for your life. Is it doing it or has it become a master? This is, when your pri this is when you prioritize around generously, generosity rather than consumption. You prioritize giving. And what is so brilliant about Jesus' statement in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21? He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This principle works both ways. If you want to change your heart, change where you give. If you want your heart changed, 
change where it flows. And your heart will change. This is when you prioritize, prioritize around generosity. So the key thing, close. Decide ahead of time. You walk out, you go back into it. Society screams at us. Someone says giving first sounds crazy. <laughs> giving first? Priority. Giving first sounds crazy. You know, that's why Malachi talks about, he talks about a tithe. He talks about 10%. He says, he says give this because the devourer is going to take it anyway. He's going to take your 10. So you decide what you're going to do with it. Lose it, and then the 90 does, has no blessing. Or you give it. Or you give it. And then out of that flows your offerings. Then give beyond that. Have your God money. Have your God pocket where you can just give beyond that. When the need arises, you're there for it. Because you're giving. Because it's not yours. It's, you know, anybody know it's fun to give somebody else's money away? Right? It's a whack of fun giving somebody else's money away. Not so fun if it's yours. And the principle. The principle. Is it crazy? Yes, it's crazy. But you want to know what crazy really is. Crazy is spending everything on you and showing nothing in the end. That's crazy. Crazy is living as if your life meaning is on the accumulation of stuff. That's crazy. You want to know what crazy is? Crazy is leaving your kids a bunch of stuff they're going to sell or throw away. That's crazy. So what do you want people to celebrate when you're gone? That's about what life is. Ignore this question, then all you have to show for it is you when it's all over. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.